Welcome to the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. On this podcast, let's step aside from our busy lives to have fun, fascinating, life-giving conversation with inspiring authors, pastors, sports personalities, and other influencers, leaders, and followers. Sit back, grab some coffee, or head down the road, and let's get the good and gold from today's guest. Here's Jeff Pinkleton, Executive Director of the Gathering of the Miami Valley, where their mission is to connect men to men and men to God. Hello, friends. Welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things sports, music, comedy, books, pastors, great lessons, life, leadership, and all the ways that that happens. And I'm really excited to have our guest today. We've been talking, as we discussed, off air since 2010. That way predates this podcast. But we had another connection back then, and then more recently, it's been September last year. But Stacy Pates, who uh, I know her, first and foremost, tied to the Indiana Pacers and Scholastic Sports Academy back in the day on ESPN. That uh, Did you work with Chris Fowler? I know Chris Fowler was tied to that as well. Did you guys overlap in your time with that? We did not. Chris Fowler was the very first host. I was the very last host, and it was the longest running show on ESPN. I did work with Chris Fowler, though, at the X Games, uh, the the first actually three years of the X Games. Yep. I was a production assistant when he was hosting. You know what's funny about that? One of the things I remember at School Last Sports America, there was a blooper reel that I can't remember if ESPN put out in general – because Greg Gumbel and Chris Berman, I think, were tied to this as well. But that was put out, and there was some funny video of, like, Chris Fowler and a horse. And a horse was messing with him, and <laughs> you know, he's trying to do his thing on air, and his horse is messing with him. And, you know, that guy's an interesting guy. Chris Fowler, to me, when you look at him, has that guy aged at all? He gets more I athletic, so. better in shape yeah. all the time. And he's yeah. probably, what, mid-50s? Maybe 60? Aging backwards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think mid to late 50s. Yeah, yeah. he's aging backwards. Well, if screens do it justice, you look like you've you've aged well as well and Thank don't look you. day older than whatever that would have been back then, I guess. And uh, Thank you. So, Stacey, th- like, again, we've been working at this for quite a while, and uh, I'll jump into an Indiana thing. We were talking about your church background there off offline, and we were talking about previous guests on here, Ryan Carr and Clark mm-hmm. Kellogg. And I said I was going to tell you a story real quick about Clark Kellogg, but I would save it. And he's, <laughs> he's been to Springfield and spoken for me a couple times. We've connected any number of ways we've actually got a text loop me and him and james brown from cbs sports and when clark was here i think it was two years ago at the end of the breakfast uh, my wife and i were talking and she's met him a couple times and i asked kara i said so you know you've been around clark kellogg a number of times now what i really appreciate him you know that i value clark what what stands out about clark to you now she could have said numerous things and she said do you know what I noticed about Clark? He loves you. And I'm like, mm. what? I said, what, what do you mean by that? And she kind of went on to explain where he was just gracious and generous with me as a person. And I thought, wow, that is not the answer I expected from my wife. But when she just said, no, I could tell Clark loves you. And I'm like, mm. whoa, that's. If, pr- that, if that didn't fill your heart up, I yeah. don't know what will. I yeah. mean, that's super cool. Can I share a Clark story? Please. One of my let's, hey, we'll, oh, we'll, my uh, we'll talk to him later and get a little loop going here. For wives, women, daughters, everywhere, this is one of my favorite stories in the whole, whole world. So I've always, I mean, Clark is family. That is my brother. I love him and his family dearly. He's just such a, I mean, we could talk about him. Obviously he's, he's powerful. He is who he says he is. He walks the walk Mm -hmm. openly, unapologetically. When I worked with him at the Pacers, you know, obviously every NBA team has the dancers and they come out to do their thing. And um, over the years, they get they wear less and less and, and do more and more. That's their job. No judgment. I wish I had some of the dance moves that they have. I have no choreographic skills whatsoever. <laughs> this man of God, this man of character and integrity, I kid you not, every time the dancers would come out, while everyone else is looking mm-hmm. at them, he's looking down. He intentionally is looking down, whether he's you know, writing notes or making a note to himself to, to make a comment in the next out of the commercial break, whatever it is, he is genuinely not interested, not giving any eyesight to what's going on on the court. And as a woman, that was the most wow. beautiful 
amazing thing to behold because it just sends a message without like if you're just looking if you just happen to look if you're a man in the crowd and you just happen to look at the scores table and see clark kellogg not engaging in what's going on it was it was the coolest and it was every time this was not a fluke this is every single time and it was the coolest thing i've ever experienced and witnessed See, that's, ever. that's really interesting that you said that, Stacey, because I like you said, you know, it, it is what it is. Clothes get less. No judgment in that from you. Yep. But, you know, I think when we live in a culture, and this is some of the stuff I mentioned to you, uh, my friend Olivia Eldridge, who's been on here a couple times. One of the things we've talked about is kind of where, you know, there's such extremes, even amongst women with women, men with women, as far as how we perceive women physically, with eyes, with all that kind of stuff. So there's. I'm sure there's women who could be on here having this conversation with me right now and might feel the same way you do, but maybe that wouldn't stand out to them. And if that says a lot to me about your integrity that you noticed that because that oh, easily could have been missed by all kinds of people. But it, it just speaks a lot to you, to your character, what you notice, what you keep your eye on, your heart. Yep. One of the things I want to jump into with this, just as we talked, it's always fun to talk a little bit before you get on here because sometimes you get a little bit of flavor for the person that you didn't get through messaging on email, Twitter, whatever. And one of the things I noticed about you that really stands out is you really seem to take family of God, as I re referenced Olivia Eldridge earlier as my sister in Christ, I could just tell that clicked with you. Big Speak time. to that for your heart, you know, growing up years, where you are now as a woman, relationships in your life, brother in Christ, sister in Christ. What does that language mean to you? Oh, my goodness. Thank you for that question. I've never been asked that. I just kind of got chills. Mm. I'm going to share with you something that I've never shared publicly. God gave me a few promises in my life. And two of those is he promised me a spiritual heritage of brothers and sisters in Christ. And he promised me children around my knees, countless children around my knees. I'm a single woman. I've never been married. I have no children of my own. But when I tell you the number of brothers and sisters in Christ that I have that are there for me, that would go to bat for me, with me, is numerous. And the children around my knees piece, I've got so many nieces and nephews and that aren't blood related, but they are to me. Mm -hmm. um, I have goddaughters, godson. Like it's the promises are real, mm. and those are two things that I, I I hold in such high high regard, and they're so deeply important to me. And it's also God knows our hearts. You know, He designed me, and words of affirmation is a huge deal to me. Mm. And knowing that He came through on those two things and other promises that haven't been revealed yet or haven't been haven't come to fruition yet. I trust they will because these two have. Wow. And they're so massive. They're so massive to me. Were those two things together or were they separate when God kind of made those promises to you? They were all together. How old were you at the they time? I was 26, 27. Was it you seeking the Lord and that kind of came about? or did Absolutely. He, did he just reveal those to you? Absolutely seeking him. The short story is I was just going through a pruning process and it was super duper painful. And I sought counsel from one of my dearest friends. His name's Eric Poland. He's also in the television business. He's behind the scenes. He has his own business. He's He does videography. He edits. He can produce. He does everything. He's just an amazing man of God. And he's one of my greatest guides in my walk with the Lord and his parents as well. His parents are ministers in uh, Pennsylvania. And I was so hurt and wounded just by many things that were going on in my life. I don't know my biological father. And for many, many years of my life, even up to that point, I blamed me. I'm not good enough. I'm mm -hmm. not lovable enough. If I was worthy, he would have wanted to be in my life. The whole thing, right? I blamed myself. Thankfully, I've healed from that and grown through that. But during that time of my life when I was just so wounded and hurt and I just, I wanted to be joyful, like God wants us to be joyful. And I had a great career already and I was healthy and I had a great family and great friends. And I, I just didn't understand why I couldn't experience that joy that God says that I can have. So I knew it had to be rooted somewhere. So I took a trip to Philadelphia by myself mm. to be with his parents because I knew that they would pour into me 
in ways that I could never ever find on my own. And they had, especially, they brought a minister in that they obviously trust. And he and his wife prophesied over my life. And those were among a list of things. And I know that I know that I know that I know, and no one could ever convince me otherwise that this was God speaking directly through them into my life, into my spirit. Mm -hmm. And I wish I could tell you it was an immediate like, ah, I'm happy, I'm joyful, everything's great. Took a little time but i did get to the other side and 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 those cracks of wounds and brokenness started to to be filled up with love and joy and that's how those promises came well i want to unpack with you a little bit later you're it's funny as you sent me your bio and i looked at your bio you said you needed to update it i can't imagine what updating it would look like because there's so much (laughs) there so we're going to get to it as it relates to sports philanthropy some funny funny details about you that we'll unpack, but um, I appreciate where you've already been very vulnerable, Stacy. And one of the things I, w- I want to let you in on a conversation I had with a couple of guys recently and unpack this for yourself and speak to this as much as you feel comfortable to speak to. We went to conference, me and some guys several weeks ago and Condoleezza Rice spoke and I've heard oh. Condoleezza Rice a couple of times, super impressed for whatever the reason was on this particular time. She just captivated me in a way that I haven't been captivated like that maybe in some time. And I thought about what I knew about her career. And like typical, what do you do? You Google, you go to Wikipedia or whatever, and you read up more on this person. And I think she's, I want to say she's like 68. But I looked at what she had done, and I thought, to what you just said, single, not married, no kids. I thought, man. And we kind of had this conversation at lunch, because I think she spoke right before lunch. And so we go to lunch, and me and my buddies were talking, and we're like, Okay, obviously, Scripture, particularly with Paul, there's a lot of conversation about marriage, singleness, value of singleness. I've often said I would hate to be married and miserable. I'd much rather be single and miserable. But God has it for some people to be single, some people to be married, whatever. And we said with Condoleezza Rice, would she have been, is she, is she probably a great case to be made, but that's God's perfect will for life, and she should be single. She's accomplished so much. I mean, she could stick her hat in a ring for about anything and she'd knock it out of the park and, and her her way of thinking, just things that flew out flew out of her mouth. You're like, okay, some of these questions I think were spontaneous, but she just knew how to roll with it and got great leadership ability, whatever else. Speak to that, maybe personalize that for you a little bit. Because again, when you look at your resume and what you've done, you've done a lot of stuff. Sports, mm-hmm. hobbies, growth in Christ, all kinds of things. Yeah. Does that click with you all? She- do, you, do you relate to Condoleezza? Oh, for sure. I mean, she's a powerhouse. I would like to, I mean, thank you for even putting me in the same sentence with her. She's a, she's a powerhouse. She's faithful to her mission. She adds so much value to the world. And I hope that those things are said about me as, as I continue forming my legacy in in this life. It's, it's funny, like as we grow and things change, you know, in, in my twenties, I always wanted to be a wife and a mom. Always, always, always in my thirties, same. And then as I got a little older, even even though career was always in the forefront, I always did want those things in my life. I just haven't met the one Mm -hmm. that is meant for me. I thought I did at one point, and that wasn't meant to be. And I, I want it to be God, not me, because we can make it seem like, oh, this is exact this is this is definitely God. This is him. I can feel it. And and I'm sure I had I did have those moments with with the gentleman I thought I was gonna marry. But ultimately, when God revealed to me, you know, I'm protecting you because Mm. I'm not going to allow you to be in a marriage that's empty and miserable. I'm going to you may have to wait longer. And that's fine for me, because like you just said, I would much rather wait and and marry the right person than than be miserable in a relationship. I'm not miserable. I'm not lonely. There's times that I feel alone in terms of oh man, like how many weddings do I have to go to by myself, Mm -hmm. which is fine. I have the strength and the capacity and I get so excited to celebrate people's weddings. It's, I'm so grateful for that. It doesn't make me feel any kind of way. Like I'm, I'll be the first one there and the last one to leave. Mm -hmm. I love, love. I love seeing people united. And I do believe marriage is in the cards for me. And if this man has children, I will love them like my own. And I'm not gonna allow myself to, to worry or, or force God's plan because he's shown me if I wait and it can be excruciating, but if I wait, he will reward me. And, and I'm not talking about reward in terms of big house, lots of money, everything I want, 
world travel, all those things would be fantastic. And I know God wants his children to have those opportunities. He will reward me in my faithfulness. He will reward me in the times that I cried myself to sleep because it's another birthday gone and I'm on my own. Mm. It's another Christmas past when I'm by myself. It's another New Year's Eve where I don't have anyone to even hold my hand, right? I press into that time though, because I also take so much value in this time where I can grow because I also wanna be the best wife, the mm. best partner, the best friend. I get to be what he needs as well. And I get to heal and I get to be fully whole. Wow. And and that's what's worth the wait for That's me. great perspective. So Mike Donahue has written some books, former lead singer, 10th Avenue North, coming to speak for me, coming up. Great, great man. He, he, he was the first person to really help me understand. He kind of takes looking at Jesus and he talks about Jesus being Savior, Jesus being Lord, and then he adds in treasure. Mm. Do you relate to that? Is Jesus then a, a treasure to you beyond just mm. Savior and Lord, I, I'm going to imagine? Yeah, for sure. What a treasure he is. I love that word. I'm going to utilize that more. He is a treasure. He absolutely is a treasure. I remember when it hit me, I was in Bible study. This was many, many years ago. I was in Bible study and we were talking about kind of a similar topic. What else would you call God in your mm -hmm. life? Is he your best friend? Is if you're a woman, is he your husband? Is, you know, what, how do you view him if you could put titles to him other than just God savior? Sure. And I remember it hit me like a ton of bricks because again, I was still going through at this time, my healing of not knowing my biological father and feeling unworthy and unloved. Because I mean, you're you're a girl, dad. You understand what it's like to to have daughters in your life. For me, I always tell my guy friends, you have got to be the man in your daughter's life that shows them they're worth waiting for, they're worth fighting for, they are mm -hmm. beautiful, they are smart, they're worthy, they are all the things. And you take her on her first date, and if the first guy she goes out with or any guy she goes out with, if they don't treat her exactly the way dad did on the date, nope, done, game over, right? There's the buzzer, you're out, sir. So I had this epiphany in this Bible study and I was, it was so cool. Like if anyone was looking at my face, they would have thought like I got struck by lightning because it hit me so hard. I was like, oh my gosh, God really is my father. Like mm -hmm. he really is my daddy. Like I never had a chance to sit in my daddy's lap or be called daddy's little girl, but you know what? I am that. And I've always been that. And I get excited right now just, yeah. just reliving reliving that moment because I'm like, oh my gosh, everything I didn't necessarily have from an earthly father, I've always had from the most powerful father I could ever imagine. So that was that was a huge one for me. And treasure is gonna go forward with me too, because that's that's a great word. Wow. Stacy, I don't say this that often. I mean, everybody's probably got a book in them, but when are you writing the book? Oh come on, <laughs> let's let's I mean, I, I would feel like there would definitely be some uh, spiritual formation, discipleship language, mm -hmm. not only bio, but I think there's probably some strong bio stuff to be in there. I mean, because, you know, I like what you said. As you were, as you were talking, I was thinking of um, what was the Christian movie? Was it one of the um, one of the Kendrick Brothers movies about the girl who was killed? And there was a scene with the dad dancing with the daughter and then she passed away and you know, kind of reliving that moment. And uh, a friend of mine, I just saw recently on social media, has been taking pictures of his daughter, like, uh, I think it's once a year, and he's saving them. He's going to post them around uh, the the church or the uh, place where they have the banquet and whatnot for her wedding day. Uh, and there's so all these thoughtful. pictures over the year. Of, of, so thoughtful. I wish, I wish I would have thought of that. I'm a little late now of pictures of me and my oh. daughter dancing like that. But yeah, you don't, you don't seem to be this person who's super uh, feeling you missed out or inadequate based on your father. Obviously, you'd want to know, I'm sure, but you, you've you really allowed God to fill that void and see him uh, in some level of completeness, I guess. And uh, what a testimony that is. Thank you. Thank you for all of that. Yeah, I am, I'm so grateful to say, you know, as a single woman, I still get so excited when friends or even people I don't know get engaged or when when there's weddings or babies like i genuinely get excited and and that's god right because the human nature would be the opposite of that or when someone has an amazing relationship with their dad i celebrate that i think that is so cool i want to hear more tell me more i don't get jaded or hurt or you know go inward because to me that's that's not god and and also the cool thing is god doesn't let me do that that's not even 
in my wheelhouse to, to go that direction. And I, I'm grateful I've actually always been that way. It wasn't even through my healing that I came through that. Even in my darkest moments, I would have those emotions and, and those reactions because that's what it's supposed to be. And I'm so grateful that other people didn't have my experience yeah. because it was so, it's so hard. Let me share this. So for people who don't know this, and obviously I take some pictures, but there's not the video typically out there for people to see. This is done through video. So I'm interacting with you over a Zoom call and I could see how you responded to stuff. And you, you mentioned about labels we can attach to God that are relational. And I'm going to make a stab here and say that you have a very intimate relationship with Holy Spirit. And Holy Spirit mm -hmm. sometimes is something we get kind of goofy about and we'll way overemphasize Holy Spirit or a lot of times traditionally churches have very much de-emphasized that part of the Trinity. How would you describe or, or put words to Stacy Pate's Holy Spirit? Mm -hmm. I think you said it. You nailed it. It is. It's very intimate. It's very personal. I mean, that's my guy. I, 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 I do not hold anything back. God already knows who I am and how I'm going to react to things. And he knows my heart. He designed me. So whether I'm, I'm happy or fussing, he knows and he's there for me and he meets me exactly where I'm at. And I have friends of all kinds of, of backgrounds in terms of belief. I have Muslim friends. I've got agnostic friends, atheist friends, and I've had those friends ask me, okay, hold on a second, because you love the Lord and your Bible study and church and all the things and, and the Bible itself, why do you still choose to love me? And I'm like, uh, because you're awesome. Mm -hmm. And I love you because that's what God does. God loves you. Whether you call him that, I would love for you to know him the way I do, but I'm not going to not love you because mm. you were raised differently than me or you see things differently than me. But what I'm going to do is I'm going to live my life and I'm going to show you who I am just by virtue of who I am and in how I love the Lord and how the Lord shows up in my life. And if you have any questions, if you want any examples, if you want any personal stories, I'm here for it. I'll tell you whatever you want to know. I'll tell you those personal experiences of when I was on a train in Italy with my brother and in 2006, and there were three teenage boys and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. We were meant to get off at the next stop. The Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, do not get off this train. Mm. And I looked at my brother and I said, we're staying on. He goes, but this is our, I'm like, we're staying on. Wow. He didn't question it. He didn't question it after that. So we pretended to get off and then we got right back on. Those three boys got off. I know they were going to rob us in my heart. I know they were going to rob us because it was rampant at that time. And thank you, Lord, again, for speaking to my heart. And that I also listened because that's the other piece of it, right? You have to be open to it. You have to be sensitive to it. I'm very sensitive. That's another word I would use to the Holy Spirit, very sensitive. And I do believe that could have saved our life that moment. Wow. So we talk a lot about self-esteem and trying to grow a people and believe it in themselves and all that. And I heard someone say it the other day that, you know, we spend so much time wasted school systems or whatever, talking about self-fulfillment, self-help, self-whatever. And they said, instead saying spirit empowerment. And I'm going to guess that's something you resonate with, spirit empowerment. Do you, I like that. do you really feel like when you wake up in the morning, you're ready to go about your day, God's equipping you, he's pouring into you through his spirit and Stacy's ready to go take on the world. Not in a, a big, robust, go conquer everything type of thing, but just that's that's where you're getting fed. And that's how you go live your life. I love that. Yes, it is. Empowerment is, is a great word. I, I do use that word a lot. I like to be empowered. I like to empower people mm -hmm. because everyone deserves that. Everyone deserves that opportunity and that chance to feel empowered, to feel like they have the ability, you know, and, and you mentioned self-esteem. I struggled with that for years and it's still a thing. It's still a thing. And again, it goes back to that root of not having that father figure in my life to build me up. Statistically, women who have had a father in their life that was present and kind and loving and supportive are very strong, amazing women that have just an innate self-esteem and an innate confidence. I had to really, really work hard and still do at my confidence and at my self-esteem because of, of the trauma that I've had in my life. And trauma is not a word that I use lightly. I used to think trauma only could happen 
if an ambulance was involved. Mm. Or I used to I used to think PTSD could only happen to those who served in the military. Sure. It's not true. It's not true. PTSD and trauma affects us daily. And it could be a regular thing for certain people in, in certain situations. So just being empowered and, and empowering others is very important to me. Wow. We have missed the most initial You are thing. so off script. Yeah. You are so off script, <laughs> well, I brother. Just, it, I love it. It means you're just going to have to be on here again shortly. So we stick the script at some point. But Stacey, give us the three-minute testimony. Tell us how you came to Jesus and what was working in your life around the time you came to know him. Oh, my goodness gracious. This is another thing I've never shared publicly. And it's so stinking cool. So when I was 13, I always knew who God was. There was always a Bible in our house. We never really prayed over meals. We might go to church at Christmas, maybe Easter, but I always knew who God was. Like I knew God, Jesus, that was not an irregular thing to understand in my household and within my entire family. But because we weren't active, I really didn't understand what it was like to have a relationship with God. So when I was about 13, I remember laying in my bed at night and I just started, you know, I was being bullied a whole bunch at school. I've been bullied a lot in my life and I was, I was being bullied big time and I didn't want to share it with my mom because I didn't want her to worry. I thought I could manage it. So I'm just laying in my bed and I'm like, God, they say you can hear me. So, and again, I'm 13. So um, understand this is a smaller child's mind at the time, trying to figure this whole thing out and trying to be adult-like. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, God, I, I, they say you can hear me and I'm just gonna take a shot at this. And I, I just, I know you love me and I love you back. And I hope to be hanging out with you one day, but just wow. right now, God, if you could just help me, like give me whatever I need to get through all these yucky times because I'm being bullied and this stinks. And I just want to be a kid and I just want to live life and I just want to laugh and I just want to play sports and I just want to be with my friends. I just want to climb trees and play kickball. Is that too much to ask? And I remember in that moment too, I started closing my prayers with God, please protect my heart, my mind and my body. And I don't know, I don't know where it came from. I'm 13. Where did that come from? Please protect my heart, my mind and my body. And I remember years and years and years later, I found that piece of scripture and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Like I didn't know that at 13 years old, I wasn't going to the church at that time, but God implanted that in my spirit and I've carried that forward. And then at that moment, it was so cool when it came full circle and I'm like, whoa, like he really was there in my room with me in my little canopy Mm. bed situation. So I started going to church at 15. That's when I was saved always had support from my family. There was never a question. My mom was the breadwinner in the family. She was always working. Unfortunately, she couldn't even come to many of my my games, but I saw the value of hard work through that, through her. And she still supported me and was my my loudest cheerleader. Started going to church and I would walk to church because I was only 15. It was about a a mile and a half one way. Yeah, I would walk to church. It was called Jamestown Christian Church. I'm from Jamestown, Indiana. So I would walk to Jamestown Christian Church. That's where I was saved. That's where I was baptized. Started going to Bible studies then. And just from there, I I just authentically, organically brought my entire family into knowing the Lord. And again, all of those relationships are their own. If they go to church, if they don't go to church, as long as they have a relationship, if if they have church in their car, that's still, that's still communing with God. That's still hanging out with Jesus. And I love that. Some people aren't comfortable in church. Some people find church to be a bit hypocritical. And unfortunately, it is in, in, in many ways and in, in many people's experiences. I never want to minimize anyone else's experience. So just throughout the years, I, I just continued to get to know him. And also through that time, started to recognize and was able to tell other people it's a relationship. Just the way my relationship with my girlfriend, Kelly, or my girlfriend, Jennifer, or my guy friend, Charles, is very different than other relationships that they have, right? That's your personal intimate relationship with God. How does that look to you? Is how it looks to you. Like I said, I'm either laughing and joking with mm. God. I could be fussing because I'm like, God, what about this? Or you promised me that? Or when is this going to happen? Or come on, man. Like, I know that you hear me. Why, why aren't you moving? I don't feel you moving. Can you show me something? Can you do something? Like, I'll talk to him like that. Because again, I'm not going to hide from him. He already knows what I bring to the table. He built me. So I'm not going to run. I'm not going to hide. And I'm not going to be apologetic for my relationship with him. And that's part of my testimony too. 
the the profession that I'm in is forward facing, even though the funny thing is I'm I'm kind of shy. I'm 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 outgoing, but there's a piece of me that's shy. Mm. If there's a camera at a wedding, unless I am asked to speak, <laughs> I shy away from that camera. I really do. It's just not something that I I go toward. I wasn't a theater person or anything like that. So I just performing has never been my thing. There's just something about when the lights come on and I get to tell sports stories that that makes it different for me. So that's just in a nutshell, my testimony, just continuing the walk and trying to keep my head up. I tell my friends all the time, if they're going through a tough time, I say, listen, keep your head up so God can see your beautiful face. Wow. Just keep your, keep your head up. Because wow. it's not it's not easy, man. It's not easy. Life life is challenging and painful and confusing. And that's why it breaks my heart that people don't know God. Like, how do you get through those days? Like, yeah. I do know him and I have days that are tough. How do you get through it if you don't know him? So that's that's my little story. You in know, that it, show. you know, it's interesting about you saying that. So, uh, you know, that reality, I think, hits me. I did youth ministry for 22 years, been doing men's ministry for 16. And I, and I know anytime I go to a funeral, it's just a vast difference between people who know Jesus and there's certainly more and he's good and he's kind and he's doing a tapestry thing that we don't see. We don't understand. We don't, we only see the side that's not complete. He sees what he's doing. And then the people who have no hope. And we just, you might've heard about this on the news. We just had in uh, Springfield, Ohio, where I live, we had a school bus crash that made national news and there was someone who passed away and it's kind of become more controversial based on a number of things. But I went to a prayer vigil that night. I did Young Life in that school system for six years. And watching, particularly one woman really stood out to me, but there were a number of people, kids, moms, people who just, you knew they knew Jesus. And hey, we don't know it. We don't get it. This 12-year-old who dies, it's tragic. But you knew there was something God is up to that's bigger than what we can see. And then when you go in situations like that and people don't have hope, it don't know Jesus. And I'm like, in those kind of times, I don't know what else you need to know to know God is good and Jesus is Jesus. And this is our only hope because without him, there's nothing. And with him, you can trust even when it looks goofy and bad and you don't know why he's up to something. And um, let, let's uh, let's pluck apart, not Jesus here, but let's take Stacey Pate's world and say sports never existed You've obviously been very active physically in that, and you've had a whole career based on that. Tell tell our audience the world of sports and all the ways that's played out in your life, what you've done. Mm, 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 mm. I just realized genuinely about eight months ago, I was pitching a project to NBC Sports, and nobody knows this either. I'm sharing with you. I'm giving you all the nuggets. You've, I don't know how many before. things you've said that I've never shared this before. Man, I'm, I'm feeling, that's true. I'm feeling like it's a true. big deal. I'm a, I'm a king getting to take it all in. Man, man. Um, but clearly you've created a safe space, and, mm. and God wouldn't have put it on my heart if he didn't want me to share. Amen. So I'm pitching a project to NBC, and it's sports-related, naturally. And it occurs to me, sports saved my life. As wow. a kid, it really did. I was being bullied so hard. And the only people who didn't bully me were the people I played sports with. And I started playing sports a little bit later in life too. I played softball since I was five, but basketball and volleyball, I didn't start playing till I was a freshman in high school. And I, I remember, you know, all the girls that had been playing for so many years before me, they weren't necessarily like pulling me aside, trying to help coach me or lead me, but they weren't mean to me. And that was awesome because girls outside of sports were mean to me and big time bullies, big, big time bullies. And mom used to always tell me, Oh honey, they're jealous, blah, 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 whatever the case. Why would they be jealous though? I'm nice to them. I'm Mm -hmm. kind to them. Why would they be jealous of someone who's nice? Like that doesn't make sense to me. And I just, I was so tormented. And so on this NBC pitch call with these execs, I, I, it hit me again. I'm just like, you know, sports saved my life. So these athletes that we don't look at as human, we don't know where they would be without mm-hmm. sport. Let's not take for granted where certain people would be if sport wasn't in their life, if they weren't gifted with such an incredible ability to shoot a basketball or throw a football, hit a hockey puck. Where would they be if they didn't have that? It saved me yeah. and it was, it was really powerful and it, and it was powerful for my journey too. Cause I, it, it was an epiphany. 
without sports, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I like to believe that I still would have been adding value to the world in some kind of way, that I would still be my, have my loving nature, that I would still be uh, outgoing and have some kind of opportunity to lead others to Christ and love other people and, and show them who God is just by being in my, in my sphere. Because I also believe it's very important for Christians, for believers, not to shove your beliefs down other people's throats, right? You just have to let them be witness. Let them just authentically recognize mm -hmm. and let them come to you and say, gosh, there's something different about oh, you. Yeah. What is it? What is it? And then that gives you the opportunity to open the door. You don't need to preach to them and tell them what they should be doing, how they should be living. Because let's face it. I do not make all the best decisions. I sure try. I sure am thoughtful about it, but I have messed up in my life big time. I've made decisions that I do feel bad about that. I'm like, man, I wish I would have done this differently or not done that at all. But that's where grace comes in. And then what sports has done for me is given me a platform to make athletes and coaches and owners recognize. I understand the world sees you with dollar signs. I understand that fans want a lot out of you. And if you win by 20, they want you to win by 25. Mm. And all of a sudden you're, you're a hero to them. And then two months later, you're a villain, but you're still the same person because that's how humans work. Mm -hmm. And so many people that pay for tickets to go to games, to watch these athletes think that they're entitled. They can say whatever they want to say. They can do whatever they want to do. They can post whatever they want to post. Doesn't matter if it hurts you or your family because you're the athlete that they spend hundreds and hundreds of dollars on for Christmas tickets or whatever the case may be. I make sure these athletes recognize, I see you, I hear you. You were always a human before an athlete and you'll be a human after you're an yeah. athlete. So that's the piece that I also hope really continues to come forward and come out in the way that anyone experiences me. That's what I want their experience of me to be. Yeah, yes, she's doing a job, but she also recognizes I'm a human being. Well, and to highlight that, I was trying to think of a verse that came to my mind and kind of saying, all right, Lord, what's the verse that speaks to who Stacy is? And I was reminded of 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. It talks about the love of Christ compelling us. And I mean, the love of Christ compels you in a way that, like you said, you don't want to shove it down somebody's throat, but you want them to ask. And I'm like, well, who in your life is not doing that based on you being you? So you just made a, a comment about athletes and what people expect or want and think what they can do. My mind just went blank here. Where were you at in space and life with the Pacers during the malice at the Palace? Were you working with the Pacers at that time? I was, where was I? I was 10 feet from Ron Artest oh my and Ben Wallace. I never Ten thought about that, but I thought you had feet. to have been there. Yeah. 10 feet, brother. And here's another thing. It was my very first road game. Working for, just so people know, you're working as a sideline reporter, right? For the Indiana Pacers. Yep. And ho I hosted pregame, halftime, yep. postgame and sideline reporter. Yep. It was my first game wow. on the road. And I was 10 feet from Ron and Ben because I was getting ready to interview Ron wow. because we were beating the defending champions easily in their place. They had a string of probably a hundred sellouts and again, defending champions yeah. in their place. And when that popped off, whoo, so that's where I was, 10 feet away. I'm glad you were saying what you said when you did, because all of a sudden I went there. And of course, the, mm -hmm. I, the 30 for 30 ESPN did, I thought was very interesting about that. And I was on a Friday night. I was doing youth ministry. And I remember coming home from whatever I'd been doing with kids, probably, uh, probably a Friday night basketball game. And I turned it on. And I'm like, what is going on? I mean, it was so insane. And in all yeah. honesty, those are my two favorite teams of all time. I loved the bad boys. Oh. I'm, we're close to Indianapolis, two hours away. I love Pacer games. And... Oh, just everything about, how did you feel like ESPN did with that as a 30 for 30? Did you feel like it was fair? I, didn't, I haven't watched it. What? It's too triggering. Oh. I haven't watched It's too triggering. Wow. That was, that was very traumatic for me. And I got hit by objects flying from all around. No one was aiming at me. Things were just flying from every direction. And I wear two earpieces when I'm working. Um, so that I have no outside distractions. So I can just hear my announcers, producers, directors, and myself. And even though all this chaos was happening, I went blank because I was just, I was in fight or flight. 
because I, it was, again, it was so scary. So I have not watched it. It's, it's just too triggering. And just one note about Ron Artest. I'm sorry, I can't call him meta. He's wrong. Yeah, He'll always wrong. be wrong. I, I love that kid. I, he's like a pit bull. He's misunderstood. Um, he's, he's got such a loving personality. And when he laid on that scores table, mm -hmm. I'm telling you, Jeff, that was his way of de-escalating it. It oh. really was. Yeah. He was doing the right thing. Mm -hmm. He really was. So it just broke my heart. And then when we were walking to the airplane, he sat with me. He was so sweet because he knew I was scared. He's like, wow. are you okay? And I told him, I said, I'm, I'm freaked out. And he goes, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. And he's like, he calls me sis. He's like, sis, do you think my career's over? And I'm like, buddy, I don't think your career is, but your season might be. Yeah. I said, but I don't know. I mean, this is unprecedented. I don't know. And he was just so sad and so sorry and felt so bad. Yeah, it was, it's hard to relive it. Like it was genuine. What I mentioned earlier in this conversation, trauma can happen and look different for everybody. Sure. That was trauma oh. for me. That, and it has caused PTSD. Because if anything happens, I don't oh, like big crowds. I don't like being in the stands too high up because if someone starts a fight, where am I going to go? Yeah. Like it's, it's traumatic. It's PTSD. Well, for people who don't remember that, all you got to do is go Google Malice in a Palace, Pacers, Pistons, you know, Brawl, whatever. Mm -hmm. And I'd yeah. forgotten until I saw the 30 for 30, how much that jacked up the Pacers season. Like, oh my gosh, we would have well, won that year. Yeah, they we were well would underway. have won it that year. Look mm -hmm. at who we had. Reggie, Ron, Steven Jackson. Didn't we have, uh, who else? Jermaine O'Neal. Like yeah. we, we would have won it all. Yeah. I'm also, I'm also convinced I don't have proof of this, but in my mind, I feel like that if Reggie wasn't ready to retire, that yeah. convinced him it was time Yeah. because, because how could something that he loved so much turn into that? So I'm having my goosebumps start to develop before I even ask you this. And I've referred to this moment, I think, in the podcast before, and I've referred to this in many, many things in life. My, my youngest son, 16, his basketball team his freshman year got to play at the Hickory Gym. Oh, wow. They have, you, know, you probably knew that from back then. They have some weekends yes. where girls, boys' teams go play, and his team got to play. When they had the cool. one year, you were probably there. Pacers have always had these great pregame intros for the starting lineups or whatever. And the one year they had like this little boy shooting on the barn with his dad and he fires up this long shot. You know, I don't, I don't remember if it went in or not. And the, 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 uh, the verbiage was in 49 other States, it's basketball. And then there's Reggie going up for three. Yeah. But you this gave is, me goosebumps. Ah, but this yes. is Indiana. Indiana. Yes. Were you there this when that, that season happened? Heavens. Yes. Heavens. Yes. Uh, I have goosebumps all over my body right now. I do too. Chicken skin. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yes. I was absolutely there. And that was one of the best that was for, that was right before the, uh, it was right after warmups and just before the team was yeah. announced. Yeah. It was the whole, whole jumbotron. Oh, it was brilliant. It was absolutely brilliant. But this is Indiana. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it, so, to me, so Reggie, what, what do you, I mean, you've covered a lot of sports. You're doing a lot more mm -hmm. in California, whatnot. Now, have you ever seen a player to his team and to his city, especially when he's not from there? I mean, he's from LA. Reggie right, Miller right. to the Indiana Pacers. Who who tops when, that? Nobody. Oh, no, I can't think of anybody. And something else that I absolutely love, thankfully, the days aren't completely gone, but to have a player with the same franchise for the extent of their entire career, I love that. Yes. I absolutely love that. And do you remember, wasn't Reggie, it was Reggie or Steve Alford, and the Pacers decided yeah. to go with oh, Reggie. Yeah. Because people thought they Which were crazy. A, They're like, how are you not exactly. taking Indiana's guy from Newcastle, Indiana? You got to take exactly. him. So, exactly. I love him as an announcer. I think he's a great announcer. I hated when, for whatever reason, between TNT and CBS, they decided not to have him keep calling NCAA tournament games a couple years ago. Reggie is an announcer. And his sister was great. You probably overlapped and did oh. some stuff with Cheryl. She was great. Yes. But Reggie's yes. going down as probably one of the greatest ever 
Um, yeah, I he's love awesome. watching that guy. And he, he's living his best life right now. He's got, I think, three beautiful kiddos. He just finished a 100 mile bike race. He's a huge oh. biker. Like my brother, he's my brother's the reason I moved out here to LA. And he hikes a lot. And he's he's seen Reggie out on bike trails a few times. Um, but yeah, Reggie just finished a 100 mile bike race. Wow. He's Go a legit Reggie. cyclist. Yeah. Yeah, I know Kenny Smith's pretty hardcore with stuff too, Clark tells me, but I didn't realize that as much about Reggie. So mm-hmm. we have to be sensitive to time for your sake. You've been great, and, and I'm going to hold you to – I want you back on here like ASAP because we got a lot more to do, and brother, I sister, Christ thing, there's more to happen. But I'm going to end – I've never done this before with someone. We're going to end with two truths and a lie, Stacy Pate style. Okay. I put this together last night. I think you've already seen it. But what are – people, you get to think about this a little bit. What are yep. the two truths – what are the lies? Stacy owns over 400 pairs of shoes. She's visited all 50 states, and she was caught up on stage by Bruce Springsteen at one of his concerts. Okay, so go through and tell us the two truths, and we'll get to the lie and set and set the the lie straight. What are the truths okay. there, Stacy? Yep, I absolutely own over 400 <laughs> pairs of shoes. Wow. Do you have any Crocs? Absolutely. Crocs? Hey no dudes? Cro- no. Hey dudes? No Crocs. No hey dudes. Oh. I hear they're soup. I hear they're wicked comfortable though. I hear they're wicked comfortable though. Time um, out. Time out. Stacy, this will be the second or third time I've ever done this. If I buy you a pair of hey dudes, can I get credit and I don't want to say glory, but can I be the, the first person to buy you a pair of hey dudes? Um, I don't know if they're oh, my style. Only if you wear honest. them. Yeah, only if I, I don't know. Okay, let's talk offline. If I get to be the one to buy you the first pair of okay, hey dudes, okay. I'm doing it. Okay, okay, we'll talk about it. And what was the other truth? I forget what you said. 50 states and Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, 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 that's right. Um, what would the other truth be? What would Come people on. believe? Come on. Um, I have absolutely been to every U.S. state. Amazing. Yes. Where does Delaware rank? Because I like Delaware. It's underrated. Oh, it's beautiful it's so beautiful it's small and quaint and there's so many beautiful pockets of delaware to see yeah so many beautiful pockets i'm from tennessee i live in ohio but i love montana what about montana for you oh montana i absolutely love montana talk about picturesque that was montana north and south dakota were my last three. Oh wow um Yep. My mom and I went on a road trip and uh, I took her obviously with me because she hadn't seen those parts of the world either. Very cool. Oh, it was fantastic. Fantastic. Give us a phrase about Tennessee and Ohio since those are my two states. Tennessee is a wonderful state. I mean, the great Pat Summit, of course, uh, led the Vols for so many years, highly respected in, in women's basketball sphere. Big, big fan of Tennessee. Again, people are lovely. They're so kind. And it's just a fun, low-key way of life. But there's also so much to do. I love Nashville in particular. I just think it's such a pretty pretty place. Yep. Oh, good. I love it there. I'm not a country music fan, though. Yeah. I never have been, but I appreciate it. Yep. Yeah, but I do appreciate it. And Ohio, I just spent time in Cincinnati. One of my best girlfriends from college, uh, her name's Kelly. She lives in Cincinnati. Cool. She's also from a small town in Indiana. She took me around Cincinnati and I kept thinking, where am I? Because there's so many cool things to do. It's there's like so much traffic and there's so much, there's so much uh, goofy highway remapping the whole city. They're always messing with traffic in Cincinnati. Yeah. Well, wherever she took me, it didn't, or maybe the day and time we went, it never seemed to be an issue, but I absolutely love Cincinnati. And I was instantly like, what was wrong with me? Why didn't I mm. come to Cincinnati more when I lived in Indy? Cause this is a great city, great food. Yeah, She's food. a sommelier. So she took me to all these great places to eat. And oh, it was, cool. Yeah. So Cincinnati is absolutely one of my favorite. If I ever moved back to the Midwest, Cincinnati is high on my list. Oh, wow. Look at that. I got friends yeah. who yeah. would love to hear that who are big Cincinnati. I'm, see, I'm if I was going to Midwest and leaving here, I'm going to Indy. So I've, I would go where you've been. So nice. anyway, nice. well, the, the lie is obviously Bruce Springsteen pulled up on stage. Courtney Cox, right. people that are friends, fans know that. But who did pull you up on stage? David Copperfield. And what David he, Copperfield. And what he do? I was, I was a freshman in college. And I really wanted to see this show. 
and none of my other friends wanted to come with me because it would the ticket was a little bit of ex, a little expensive but i also had a part-time job at college so i was able to to buy my ticket went by myself and because wow. i went by myself i had an amazing seat i was like four rows from the stage right on the aisle he walks by me and when i tell you his eyes like looked through me and i made eye contact with him kind of smiled didn't think anything else about it because he came off the stage and walked up the crowd and yes he he came back and pulled me out and he had this tissue paper and he rolled it into uh, what looked like a rose. And then he took a lighter and he lit it on fire. And just like that, it turned into a real rose right there in front of my wow. eyes. Like I'm telling you right there in front of my eyes. Yeah. And it, it was pretty wild. Can I tell you another little funny story Please. on that? So there was a huge jumbotron. And so you could see my face from somewhere way up in the crowd right when everyone stopped clapping somebody yelled a, a man's voice yelled i love you stacy and remember we were what? at ball state we were, we were on campus i still to this day have no clue who yelled that he looks at me david copperfield looks at me he goes is this your show or mine <laughs> funniest funniest thing ever it just made it even more special and i'm so happy that i went and that's not out of character for me at all i do a lot of things on my own yeah. i'm not afraid to go to movies theater yeah. shows dinner by myself because i don't want to miss any fun sure. opportunities i love that we'll find out sometime mm -hmm. later on in life that was david letterman who did that right <laughs> <laughs> stacy hey you have been a real treat if people want to get to know more of what you're up to what you're about there's a whole lot we didn't get into what are the vehicles and ways they would find out more about what you're up to Oh, man. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. I appreciate all the awesome questions. Thank you for allowing me to share just a bit of my journey with you and your listeners. It's a privilege and an honor to be here and, and share those things. I'm pretty active on Instagram. I don't post a lot, but I do um, on Instagram. It's just at Stacey Pates. I'm on Twitter as well. I'm not as active there. I know the value in social media. I'm just, I've just never, I don't know. I'm too busy living real life, I guess. I don't, I don't even think about taking pictures or, or posting things. It's just, I just want to live and enjoy, the enjoy and, and yeah, but I do recognize the value in it and people do. It's such a fake out too. Like I don't ever want my posts to be a fake out. And what I mean by mm. that is I don't want it to take away any connections that I have with people because they can see what I'm posting. Oh, she's good. She's happy. She's out of town. I don't want to bother her. No, call me. Let me know you're, mm. you're good too. Like I don't want it to be a yeah. fake out to where we don't communicate anymore. That's right. Great. Because you feel like you're watching my life. Yeah. So, yeah, those are the places. I don't have Facebook. I also have a YouTube channel. Again, I add things from time to time. I need to do a better job updating, but it's also just, I keep it real simple. Everything's just under my name. Very cool. So, well, Stacy, I'm leaving here saying this is my sister in Christ. I'm really enjoyed conversation. Love your heart. Your, I really feel like, a, and I don't try to overuse this phrase, but I feel like there's a very thin space between you and God. And uh, that's super encouraging. And uh, I will be reaching back out to you really soon because I feel like there was a lot we didn't get into that I want to. And uh, we'll have to have a, a take two if you're cool with that very soon. I would love it. All right. Tennessee, Montana, Delaware, Ohio. Friends, have a great, <laughs> have a great day. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at GatheringMiamiValley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.